West Limerick 102. The following is the podcast of County Views as broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 14th of April 2021 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Mike Barrett... As this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. County Views is available as a podcast. Just search for it on your favourite podcast apps. New episodes are uploaded by the end of Thursday each week. Good evening, listeners. It's just half past nine or thereabouts. Anyway, we would never be too accurate in time in West Limerick. My name is Pat O'Donovan. You're tuned to West Limerick 102 FM for County Views. Our producer, as usual, is Jason Smith. This programme is going out live from now until 11 o'clock tonight and repeated tomorrow, Thursday, from half past 11 until 1. And I'm joined by Mike Barrett and Tom Ryan, two well-known personalities indeed. And if you have any comments or any views, or anything you would like to the panel to discuss tonight, just give us a call on 0696600 or 087-166-9800. And we'd only be delighted to put it to the panel for their views. So, looking at all kinds of things, you could talk about so many things indeed. And I, I, I send my best wishes there to John Hart the man who knows his music and set out indeed and kept you entertained there for the past couple of hours and, and a safe journey home there John on that one uh, hotel quarantine I suppose is the thing that's kind of hitting the, the, the headlines this week and it seems a little bit confusing and people who have got the vaccine still have to go into quarantine and a little one I find kind of unaccepted myself is that in other countries they announced that it came in at midnight when you bring in a ban on flights and trips whereas here they give me about four or five days notice so I believe there was loads and huge number of people came in from different countries just to beat the ban whereas you would imagine if the ban was to come into place it should be effective whereas the people are avoiding the, the quarantine they're avoiding the ban they're coming in beforehand so without any checks whatsoever, so is that not the fit and the purpose of the thing in the first place? Tom, how are you? Well, Pat, well, not a bad, Pat, thank you. No, it is confusing, Pat, without a doubt, and uh, to be honest about it, you know, this um, counting is proven very difficult for everybody, and in particular even, I suppose, for the government and for the people that are organising it, and the stories coming out of, out of the hotels are not good as regards the food, quality food, and the cost factor as well. You know, it, it is a very difficult system to operate, successfully anyway, you know, and, you know, with the first couple of cases that were put to the courts, they, they didn't even have to make a decision on them, which was a pity that they didn't make a decision on them because the people concerned were allowed out, you know, for on, on diff- for different reasons. And, um, you know, these are people that had been tested and were clear, but there are a lot of people in quarantine that are clear as well, you know, and they're still in quarantine. So it's very, I don't know. 
Patrick, it, it came late in the day, number one, anyway. Too late. I mean, that, that should be one of the first. And we actually mentioned it here, you know, in, in, in yeah. the program. You know, when, it's, when it started initially, we quoted Israel as an example, you know, they, uh, what they had done. And it was very clear that they had, they had clamped down, you know. And here it was a free-for-all. Really... During the epidemic, when when the, when the, uh, the pandemic, when things were very bad, there were they, we had passengers and we had travellers coming from all over the country, all over the world, flying into Dublin for matches and for funerals and for weddings, and they were coming through last year and they were coming in everywhere and over the border. So I don't know. I think this is a token. Uh, it, it is only a token thing. I think that has been brought in by the government. And to be honest about it, you know, it it, it is a difficult in India impossible job to satisfy everybody now the, the opposition are up and down and they want one thing today they want another thing tomorrow and it appears to be that the government are dancing to the tune of the opposition and the, also the popularity sticks and they have I think they have taken their after ball hopefully the numbers will stay down now but the deaths are still very high 18, I don't know how many it was today I didn't hear the news today but I mean but there was 18 yesterday and that is a shocking amount of people you know and every one of those a personal tragedy for a family and for their immediate relatives and everything, you know. And just to have it quoted as a statistic, we're still not out of the out of the woods here. And uh, you know, it's it is going to be very important that people maintain discipline for the next couple of months. Yeah, I think uh, I would agree with you, Tom. There, but there's, of course, you heard the other thing with the quarantine. As you said, it's an awful hard thing to do because I think the legislation is unreal sense because you're dealing with the Council of Civil Liberties and they're all shouting that you can do this and you can do that and I think the other thing you had then that you had uh, you had Simon Coveney the Minister for Foreign Affairs and you had Donnelly at Loggerheads last week because uh, Donnelly wanted to put it, bring in certain countries and Coveney didn't so you had the other the other thing they were all trying to watch their own the political side of it and of course as you said the opposition they're shouting about one thing today and they're shouting about something else tomorrow and they want an answer to everything. I suppose if, if the government had an answer to everything, we, we might be in a better position than what we are, but it's most awful complex. And like, I, I would have to agree with what you said that time. That should have been brought into force at least six, eight months ago when the, the whole thing went, when, because there was people travelling all over the place. And as it is, as last Sunday, I was told there's people not too far away from here and they're travelling in and out to Milan at least once a week. They're moving, they're out today and they're back tomorrow and travelling the whole place and there is no regulation whatsoever they're not being checked and anything high up or low down. So I don't think it is, hopefully it will work, but I can't see it. And yeah, they're they're going that will prove very, um, very wrong now when that's happening, you see, and it defeats the purpose of the exercise completely because Italy is, again, awash with the, with the virus now again, you know, so it's France. And as you said, uh, Mike, it was very, very... It, was, it, it, it looked awful there last week to see the all government ministers, to see the ministers now, I mean, like getting uh, involved in, in, in personal, political kind of areas, you know. I mean, Coveney was missing for a month. He wouldn't seem to be seen. That I, I think I tri- well attributed also to Leo's difficulty there with the with the disclosure there to the doctors. There was a part of that because he became he became very very unpopular all of a sudden within the party itself. So Mr. Coveney laid low, and then he came back with a you, you know with a bank to, for the, in 
emphasised that he wanted certain countries that they weren't to be on the list. But it, you know, it's 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 you wonder where it's going to all going to end. I know they're running out of space in the hotels and in the areas and and, and, and in the hostels where these people are. And simply, it's gone back again to the actual way these places are even ran by the private companies and the private hotels because the reports coming out from some of the people they're doing quarantine and paying two thousand yeah. like for the for the fourteen days or whatever number of days, twelve or fourteen days that the food is awful there. So the, again, that would take you back to the actual centres, the refugee centres, wouldn't it? it would. That's what happened there. Yeah, I mean, they were private, privately run. It's, so it's just a situation that we just can't. Our, our private industry here, and especially in that area of the hotels there that are in charge of this new system, are not able to run it. And it's, again, it's a kind of make as much as you can, as quick as you can out of it. Yeah. You know, it's a disgrace, actually, in that regard, that these people are not being catered for that. We hear stories every day, there's three or four in one room, they can't leave. So that's, like, it is an imprisonment, really, you know what I mean? And you can see where the areas of the civil liberties group, they have a case as well to make when this is going on, when it's not being run properly. Yeah, there was a student there in Cork the other day, I have on the radio, and she was... She had all her vaccination got. She was she had looked and she was coming back to Ireland, coming back full time back home, and she had she had her, her clear PCR test and all doing everything. And then when they put her into the hotel, and she had to pay eighteen hundred and fifty euro to put her own pocket. I mean, what student could afford to do that? Nobody could do it. Nobody could afford to. I mean, pay. that was putting. Look at the burden that was putting on her parents. Yeah, of course it was. She could she could have come home and quarantined at home. She was coming back yeah. to, her, to her father and mother. But then again, Mike, you see the, the minister for higher education, Mr. Harris, like he said yesterday. I uh, yesterday it was yesterday before that students in the Erasmus scheme wouldn't have to pay that. Mm. You see, but every other student would have to pay it. You know, again, it's it's a contradiction, you know. Because, I mean, because these are state-sponsored uh, scholarships, yeah. so therefore the state has to be, has to fall in. But the people that are out there paying their, paying their own way, like, and paying their own fees, have to pay the, I mean, yeah. the, the quarantine fee as well. So it's awful. And we, we are not capable in this country anyway of operating anything, if you ask me, properly. Because no. it's all quick, it's a quick, it's the quick book and you know and a lot of chances as well involved I was listening listening to the morning to a fellow from, from Ismi the small business the, the CEO but he was talking to Claire Bourne and he was saying about this this antigen test that they have they're trying to get it up and running it, it came in here on the 1st of April he said we're the only country in the world that have to do every kind of a regulation it has to be tried out 20 times before they make a decision on it he said why in the name of God they just can't get on with it when it's been sanctioned by the World Health Organization that they can use it. He was talking about using it in construction sites and big factories where it would be big amount of people going in. And he said, they have to wait now and do a kind of a survey. As he said, how many more surveys do we have to do in this country before someone can make a decision? Yeah, well, I, I, would, think he's right. I would agree with him there, Michael. I, I, I think know. he's absolutely All right. right. We'll move it on a little bit. And... Uh, uh, hello, Pat and panel. I send this text from the high hills of Knockrow, Carol Connors. I'd like to express my deepest sympathy to Polly Fitzpatrick and her family on the sudden death of her son, Kevin. So sad to hear the news. May he rest in peace. And the next one is good night to all at West Limerick, enjoying the programme. Nora Mary Dyle is listening. 
And did you hear that Polly the Port's son has died? May he rest in peace with it indeed. Nora Mary, and of course, condolences yourself also in your sister's passing very recently as well. And it, it seems to come to all of our homes in recent times indeed. And Tom, that was a terrible, sad news we heard you and I there in the past couple of days on Polly's son, Kevin Fitzpatrick. Mm. Yes, I spoke to Polly yesterday, as you did yourself, you know, from my, Very my sincere sympathies and Polly, a marvellous person, and, and her daughter as well. And uh, we want to be associated with, you know, with the, our deepest sympathy and support for Polly this, at this particular time, you know, it's a difficult time for everybody. And uh, it's more so like, I mean, for the family the old I mean like his Patrick family was a huge family in Limerick City and um, you know our, our deepest sympathies go to them you know I spend particularly to Polly she's a, a real darling of the of the station and of the airwaves in general you know so she's terribly well liked and supported and I hope that she'll have the strength to see this through and she's been a great a great contributor to not only on this station but all over all over months we were here for mentioned oh yeah she's in, in Lovely lady for the life, so again, you could hear her in Clare, you could hear her in Cork or anywhere. Like myself, you could hear her on TG Car as well, and Radio Nagel to make her a regular contributor to Nancy. I himself and Nancy Nicushler are brilliant, great friends there. But that's but I'm I'm saying that no in a very complimentary way, Mike, because she's a wonderful person. She's a wonderful program as well, and they're a great station. I never met a woman, but I I met her. I listened to her. You know, I met her back in George Daly's country. Back in. Did I see you on Gantry one night back in back in the Concord and Yeah, I saw you there actually in the square. On the square, that was the session. I said that's better. The hope one, yeah, very good. I saw it, I saw that. Sunday boat, yeah, brilliant, very good. The music is very good. Newcastle Westbourne, Philomena Lee is taking a legal case to crush mother and baby homes report. She said, like many others that we have seen as well, that their views were not represented in the report, Tom. Yeah, that, that was that was a very very disappointing part. This report, like I mean, which took a long time to for to, for to compile. I mean, uh, she's come out very strong in this. You know, she's a, she has been one of the one of the leading lights in the whole mother and baby homes. I mean, scandal, and has been you know, very upright and forthright in coming coming out and giving a lot of information. And when she says that her views were not correctly, I mean. Presented. I mean, that's shocking. Like, I mean, this this was a, a very high powered, like, I mean, commission that was appointed to examine a, a, one of the scandals, like, in our recent history, not even history, recent history in the country, you know, that everyone washed their hands of, like, and put it, you know, put it all into a dark room and said, look, let's forget about it, including the clergy, the, I mean, the political parties, the judicial and, and the medical, all the, everybody pushed it one side and said, well, it's not, not my backyard, I don't want to know about it. And, but everybody knew what was happening. And it was a, a, an absolute disgrace and a blight in our history and a blight in our country as well. And as a people, it's an absolute disgrace that that, her, that, that lady who has been very, has been brilliant actually as a, as a spokesperson for, for her, herself really, 
you know, and and to say that her her that first of all I don't think she received a copy of it, and secondly it it, it wasn't accurate, and what she said was wasn't uh, transgressed like as she said it, so, as she put it. So I mean, it, it's the whole thing. And what didn't it cost? I suppose millions for the compile and all these high powered listers and experts and theologians and whatever you call them, call them what you like. They are getting 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 bags of money and you know and a big support of just from the state and they had to come up with a situation that one of the leading uh, people in, involved in the whole scandal says it's not accurate. So I mean, what, where do you go after that? Of course, the debate is from Newcastle West, a native of Newcastle West, Mike Barrett. She wasn't the only one. A lot of the other less well-known names of people. Yeah, that was another. Uh, no, also move. made the same statements earlier yeah. on. She was actually debated very much in the doll this morning. I was watching it. That Catherine Carlos from Galway was on, and she was she was very she was still trying to get basically trying to get answers, and uh, there was a I think it was. I don't know which one the TDs was on as well, like, and he was absolutely disgusted at the way it, that it wasn't really, as Sam said, everybody wouldn't talk, they wouldn't talk what they should be doing after all the, the amount of money that was put into it and everything. But that Catherine Carlos was done for a long time now. She was in the doll actually, asking questions yeah. in it. But she, you could see by the woman she was not happy. That she, wasn't, she wasn't getting the answer she wanted anyway. But sure, but sure, the thing about this, Michael, is that, um, and Pat, like, sure, this, is, uh, this is one of the biggest scandals that has, has ever been exposed. But sure, different. But, you were around long enough, and I'm around, so was Pat. We, we knew what was going on. The, the actual authorities knew what was going on. And this, and the families, you see, they, I, am, I have a very strong view on this as regards what, I mean, the blame game, you see, I mean, here. How much had been covered up? Yes, we blame the mothers, right? They're, I mean, they were... They were they were blamed like indirectly and they were put into prison. Mm-hmm. And in Nihilon it was a kind of a slavery, it was a it was a, a, a prison with hard labour. A, a lot of them would they were in the laundries were slaves and, and, and they got abused and like no they were all the families who already who know this. Mm. So I mean, you see, we're blaming everybody, and, and we're this country and our culture is a blame culture. Blame someone else, and as long as, as, long as it's outside the wall, as long as we can keep it quiet, don't you know? Don't rock the boat. The parents of those girls. The, uh, the fathers of the babies, they weren't all, I mean, the medical conception, like, they were all, they, 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 a lot of them, like, were coming from, came out of relationships that were there, mm-hmm. that were, you know, outside, like, and so why then? Why then, like, do we, does it take so long to face the truth here? Why do we have commissions? Well, we know exactly what was going on. The, the others know what was going on. They were getting paid for, for I mean, for these, for these, um, girls and, and mothers they were getting so much an allowance in the state the state knew about it our ministers knew about it mm. so I mean why wouldn't there something done about it so the whole thing the whole thing Tom really has been it has been a cover up going back for generations because every successful government they knew what was happening but nobody seemed to do, to do anything about it and a lot, I read a good bit about it, even some of the some of the children that actually came out of that that survived yeah. and got into other places I read one case of a young fella where he's a, 
he said he was made wear shoes that were two sizes too small for him. Yeah, but he had to go around and say, torture, yeah. torture. Just torture. Like and just say torture. Torture. Like. And, and not only that, but, but I mean, the, the babies that died and, and the conditions that they had. Sorry, should, right. should, should, they should be, I mean, the, people know about that. Yeah. I mean, Catherine Carlos, we say, was the woman that exposed yeah, it through to her forensic. And she's an ordinary person who has gone through an awful lot, I say, now, that no one knows about, mm-hmm. really and truly abuse, I say, and, and what she has what she has suffered for, for, for her work and for her disclosures in this situation. And where should there be houses in Galway and Chum? I mean, but what Tom, these babies Tom, are buried like? Um, as you said a moment ago, like, that, even with Catherine Carlos, her main attack seems to be on the nuns very much. We don't hear as much on the parents of the people who abandoned those females who were pregnant and want to have anything to do with them, get them in there. Plus the fathers, as you said, that didn't get conceived, there was a man involved, you know, and that area didn't seem to get the same amount of attention as it should be getting. But sure, that's happened today. I mean, this, happened, this, this is happening all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have unmarried mothers, like, and they're supposed to be our responsibility. It's not the same like. as then, because but hold on, Pat, now they're but getting benefits, they're getting yeah, houses, they're getting plans, they're yeah, getting yeah, everything. But basically, Pat, it is the same, like, as regards the conception, like. You know, that hasn't changed and will never change, like, as regards, like, how these babies arrived. And, and uh, but there is criminal charges here, like, and there is also, like, a, a, a state-sponsored system that have brought along this. And we had all the, oh, great statesmen, De Valera, McEntee, every one of them, you, Nicolcliffe, you name them out. They were all leaders of our country. Yeah. We had all the great orders there. We had the archbishops and we had the cardinals. We had them all. So they all... No, but basically, and I agree with you, Pat, and we've mentioned in the programme on numerous occasions, the people responsible for this were the parents of the women that let them, that put them into those institutions. And that, we can't go away from that. Mm-hmm. And those those are the, are the first, like, the secondly are, are the fathers. There's no word about him. The same as they weren't there, ever there, like. Yeah. And, but it's all blamed the nuns. They had, they, their behaviour was un. Believable, like it was, it, it was, it wouldn't have happened in in the deep south in America it, at the at the when slavery was at its strongest. What happened inside those institutions and those laundries and those convents and those modern baby homes and they were, oh, we all turned Tom, a blind eye. Tom, these ladies would be seen as committing sin and therefore the, the, the bigger the punishment, etc., would hopefully mean that they wouldn't go out and commit sin again if ever they got out. Well, Pat, that, that would be a, 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 a very a very poor excuse now, wouldn't it? Like, thinking I mean, of the day, like. Yeah, yeah, thinking thinking of the day. Well, well, you see, the day, Pat, can, can cover an awful lot and we can, we always look back with rose-tinted lessons and things were great and this and you know but there were a lot that was one of them was the biggest scandal that was ever ever like regardless of of economic development and all that personal scandal and personal damage that was done by successive governments and by the, the orders and the medical orders and, and not the medical orders but the religious orders sorry like in that in that particular time was and it was all known did, 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 did anyone know that uh, or try to tell me or tell anybody that that this was all secret this was well known it was a, it was a kind of a it was a business number one in exporting and adopting I mean, babies to America 
Yeah, it was a very lucrative trade, and the people made fortunes out of it, fortunes of money. And they, because they had, uh, they had contacts and they had agents within the orders themselves that were running these baby homes. So it was like, it was like a, a slave trade. Like. And, uh, and of course, another thing that we forget about at that time too, the, the, the religious orders had a lot to answer for here because the local, if anything did happen in the parish, the local parish priest was out and says, uh, get her out of here and don't the scandal be coming back on top of this place. It was, of course, yeah. And, uh, he was called to the house yeah. in case of, oh, we'll keep well, this. Well, that happened, of course. That was a regular, that was a regular. Moving on and they won't yeah. be seen. But an additional scandal which doesn't get aired so much at all was what I think we're all old enough to remember. He was boarded out and she was boarded out and the treatment that some of those people that were put out to farmers I would think mostly if not always Tom and you had a young lad of 15 16 or 14 and, and, and uh, females the same and the abuse physically and otherwise that some of those people got the treatment they got the scandal was unbelievable as well but well, that, that, that you know we've spoken about that on, on numerous occasions in the program that upsets me you know that 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 what farmers, but mostly farmers anyway, like they are, they were using them for for manual labour and slavery really, like with a couple of shillings. You know, they showed me diary fairs. And I mean, even diary fairs would would come on. But that'll tell you uh, of a time in our country, and it also it. I don't hear any of our great uh, like historians talking about behaviours and that, and you know, of men's inhumanity to men. You know what you can do to somebody and 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 all these people then were at the front row mass every Sunday and they had they had their own seats and they had their own they had their own pews and they were top of the list in the Jews yeah, and the whole pillars, lot and pillars, the priests were all about them and I saw it myself I was growing up I was an altar boy in the uh, for for I nearly got a pension of, I suppose I'd been nearly the first altar but I got a pension and I should nearly have gone I, if I could apply to someone for now I could have a few pounds but like I I saw it all I saw it all I saw people how they behaved I saw how the clergy behaved towards the wealthy and the gentry and the big landowners and the whole lot they could do what they like the clergy could and the landowners mm-hmm. and the big farmers they could do what they, they were like all, they were all in together they were an absolute disgrace that's they were what all they were in together, no. all in together. Mm-hmm. but I'm old enough to remember my house it wasn't a wealthy house it was an open house my parents my mother would have been very open and welcoming but we had quite a lot of that category of person who was as the phrase was boarded out and I can remember a particular young lady who was in one of those houses her legs were literally bleeding black and blue and she was living in fear mm-hmm. and with similar situations with men and the, another lady that lived nearby she had spent her time in Glen I hardly know where Glen was or heard of Glen but I had heard all about Glen from that woman who had married locally and but the boarded out ones that those people the, the treatment and the abuse that they got was just unreal they, they, they were treated like nobodies of no importance no. Oh, they have no importance and they were physically and, and, and sexually abused as well mm-hmm. I mean by the master and by the big oh that was a common that was a very common yeah. that was a common uh, you know and again it was all it was all part of of what, what what we were at the time and all accepted and by the by the who but who like at, at that particular time and that's not too long ago at all that's yeah. gone back into the 50s and 60s and that's, and that's, that's a lot, that's a lot of the reason why they're, why they're yes. backing up with the tune thing as well because yes. 
course. So much coming up. So, you see, because, like, whatever, there's a baby, there's two people involved. There's more than one involved. So, I mean, I mean the hypocrisy is, is unreal. Mm-hmm. And the amount of time that's been wasted. And Catherine, she should be, that woman, what she has done for to expose this, like, with against all the odds, she should be... She should be medicined. Yeah, she seems. She's the mother of three, sir. <coughs> in, in a different guys. A marvelous, independent, intelligent, simple woman that says, "I'm only, I only, I'm only a, a local historian." <laughs> and what she uncovered there, yeah. and what, and, and if you look at it, that, that's we. She was mainly concentrating on the two women, the Galway situation, but that was happening in every county council right. and in every electoral area in the country. Like imagine what it's like in Dublin as well. You know, I mean, we'd never have known this only for her, like. And she wasn't believed at the start, oh, like. No. And these babies and these bodies print a, print a, a, a kind of a slutty pit. I mean, you wouldn't question. see it. Paul Pot didn't, in Cambodia, didn't do it. No. Only, well, he did it. That, that, that's what you could you compare it to. Back to the farmers there, not all of them were bad because I, I was talking to men today, actually, where this woman was, the lady without working on the land, and it was the, the, the way the woman was last one alive anyway and when she died she left the farm land to the to the lady that had been boarded out so to speak and we saw another man on television one night in Galway who also went into a, a farm and the place was left to him left as well to him, yeah. so th- th- there was uh, some good but very very few no Pat very few very few and we should hang our head in shame and those people <laughs> and, and the point about this Pat that it, they're known and, and, and they're all their families are still there and, and I tell you just for the sake of the times maybe if the times were back as they were they might be any better mm-hmm. now it's 10 o'clock folks we'll go to Nedbrook you're tuned to Vestal make 102 FM my name is Pat O'Donovan this program is going out live from half past 9 until 11 o'clock on this Wednesday night a beautiful night it is indeed and our guests are Tom Ryan and Mike Barrett and I was looking up at the beautiful sky and there's a little piece of a moon I don't think I ever saw one as small hardly very very little of it is there but it'll come round to a bigger size in due course so we'll go to Nedbrook and back to you shortly <laughs> County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. You are listening to the podcast of County Views as broadcast on West Limerick 102FM on the 14th of April 2021 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Mike Barrett, as this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. Welcome back, listeners. You're tuned to West Limerick 102 FM. 
My name is Pat O'Donovan, and I'm joined in the panel tonight with Tom Ryan and Mike Barrett. And if you want to call in, text in, send in any message whatsoever you like, 0696620 or 0871669800. Looking at the paper, something that's close to my heart as I meet it from time to time, and it's on the Irish Examiner. It could be on many a paper because it's not too unusual occurrence. Man to pay 13,000 to couple put through living hell. A 67-year-old man will remain in jail until he comes up with 13,500 he owes a couple he put through a living hell by seriously damaging their balanced spittle house when he was renting it in hopes of buying it cheap. The couple described the living hell they were put through by the cruel behaviour of tenants Dennis O'Connor of Hillside Kappa Kinsale County Cork. O'Connor has spent the past two months in custody pending sentence. Donald O'Sullivan defending said the accused would be able to raise the full balance from a family friend within a week or two. The amount outstanding is 13500 Judge Sean O'Donovan remanded him in custody until the 22nd of April. As well as causing an estimated 16,000 in criminal damage by sawing rafters out of the roof and other acts of destruction, he refused to pay rent for 16 months that he was in the house. He has repaid 2,500 so far. The owner of the house, Audrey O'Mahony, said the financial strain due to the lack of rental income from the Balanced Spittle House made it hard to meet their own mortgage repayments, forcing them to cut back on groceries, clothing and heating. She said stress ultimately led to her collapse one day and she was rushed by ambulance to hospital. Judge O'Donovan said he had huge sympathy for Miss O'Mahony. Miss O'Mahony testified at Cork Circuit Court that O'Connor damaged the house in an effort to make the property unsaleable, so they would be forced to sell it to him at a reduced price. She said the 67-year-old put herself and her husband and family through a never-ending nightmare by what he did from the time he began renting their house in 2015. He pleaded guilty to causing criminal damage to the house by removing roof rafters and damaging floors and various fittings at the O'Mahony property at Balance Spittle between December 2015 and July 18. He also admitted to the theft of a fitted kitchen worth 1,000, which he removed and replaced with his own kitchen, which he in turn removed when he left, leaving the house without a functioning kitchen. Now, as an auctioneer, listeners and panel, I've come across it. It is nothing new to me, and it is usually these so-called landlords that are slated, Tom. But there's a huge amount of that kind of thing going on with tenants not paying for months and months, and you have so much red tape to go through to get them out and the damage to leave after them. And most people just breathe a sigh of relief. Thanks be to God they're gone. But the landowner, the property owner, is probably down five or 10,000, and maybe they have that as a kind of a pension and a pay for mortgage, etc., etc., etc. as well. Sad, 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 but not thing unusual about it, Tom. Well, it's not, it's not sad at all, but it's fact of life, you know. I'm not an advocate for landlords at all, but, I mean, I, it, 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 it beggars belief as to how people can behave like this, you know. And, uh, you know, that when you enter into a tenancy, like, and uh, with, uh, that you would then damage that property, like, 
to the extent that we've had there, and we've had worse as well, and we've seen worse, and, and it's a constant, it's the argument, I suppose, for tenants like, uh, for landlords rather, that they, what, what they go through, and I would have great sympathy for people that, that find themselves in that position, because it's, yeah, I mean, it's a very, very slow process, we hear every day, there's no, we can't have evictions, you know, but there's no evictions at the moment, and there, there can't be, landlords are they're meant to maintain their properties to a high level, which they should, and which I believe as well hasn't be, hasn't been. They haven't been doing their job either down the years. Some have, but like everything else, that's more than the exceptional, more than the rule. And but to see that people would would damage a, a property to that extent, and in this and in this event, I think Judge O'Donovan is has called it out, you know, and he has put uh, a sentence on this particular individual, which is right. That damage is criminal damage, and uh, you know, I mean, the law has to take its place, but it's very slow as well. And I can well understand the, the agony and the, and the loss and the stress to the people that own the house. You know, I mean, they have to. Their whole life is is has been turned upside down by an absolute blackout who has who has really put two fingers up to society and to the justice system and to every reasonable and decent thinking person in the country. And that's happening wholesale, Pat, and you know it, Pat, because it's your line of work in to an extent you come across it very often. We read about it, student damage in parties, and we have also that what happens in houses are right. And that is, I think myself, that, that definitely like we're very slow and I mean, Mike mentioned it early on. It takes too long for for the system to kick in. If the damage done to a property, like like this criminal damage, then the owner should be able to access justice immediately, not waiting for yeah. one month or for two months. And if the rent isn't paid, the same thing. I mean, these people who enter in, into these contracts and they're well supported by the state, a lot of them, you know, I mean, the rent, and we say different agencies and charities paying rent as well. There is no excuse, Pat, but we, again, take too long to come to decisions and to sort things out. And if we did it, if, if we were more active, our system, our social welfare system, and our justice system were more active, then there'd be less of this. And you clear it up in a short time yeah. by making decisions and by making these people pay for the, what they're doing. Yeah, and then we're, we're already listening to people talking about the homeless, so I can't get this and I can't get that. And that's a very clear example of what Pat is after reading out there. I read it myself today to think that someone would go in and cut the rafters off a house. I mean, what, what trauma must it be for them people to go into a house and see that the whole place altered? Like, it must be unbelievable. Un un unbelievable. Mike, I like, mean, that they would have put their life savings into. Yeah, exactly. You know, and even we, take out a mortgage. We, probably going in another in another slightly different direction. Not alone not alone are, they, are them people at it. But just, just think back to 12 months ago. This time, 12 months ago, there was a TD elected in Clare that owed nearly 5,000 to Clare County Council. Yeah, and she's no bummed at all. Bummed at all, yeah. It is very hard to, it is very hard to. Like when you see that come uh, up with someone at the, yeah. at a higher level, what yes. does that tell the ones down law? If she oh, can get yes. away with it, why can't of course, I? It, it does. Without a doubt. And her party, her, her party had to go and pay the, had to go and pay the, the, the arrears to the, to the, the owner of the house. And yeah. she, she got enough votes to carry her up to the dollar. 
Yeah, well, that'll tell you the, the thinking of people, Mike. Well, you know, it'll tell you the you thinking of people, Tom, that wasn't yeah. oh, it, it, Of course it will, yeah. And, and in actual fact, as you mentioned that, we see where, where all European members are over in Iraq, yeah. over with the terrorists, like over there. We have Mr. Claire, Claire Daly and Mr. Wallace over there. Over there. Imagine, yeah. people, they vote for them, you know, but like that's what you're dealing with, like. Yeah. And, and, and this was coming down the line, yeah. I mean, for us, and we're getting more and more of it. But, but getting, I mean, getting back to, to the situation, there about the actual about the property and, and, and the damage and and you see it it takes too long for these things to be for to be sorted out. It's but the biggest problem is when you know there's damage being done to your house and you can't even get in. And well, think, no, that is no, yeah, no, that yeah. better than the man here. Like said, he's dealing properly all his life. Yep. But you see, at the same time, you see, you see. There's wrong on both sides that as well, you see. You, then you have landlords who are, who are like, I mean, abusing signs and very care. And, well, they're, they own properties who are, they are inhabitable, like. Exactly. And they're charging massive rents from, and there's over, they're being over people overstaying there, and there's yeah. numbers of people. And these people are getting away from it as well. So it is all a mess. And, and everything in this country appears to be a mess, if you ask me. I think the tenants are better represented because they can get on to various organisations. But in the case of a small landlord, a lot of these people have only one house maybe yeah. that they rent, they're the ones that are getting really cut. Now, moving on again, should Catholics pay a television license fee? And this is a priest who was here, which is quite a bit. He used to a priest there from time to time here in Mr. McWin or two. He's a, a native of Cora Clare in West Clare, but he's the priest in my van in County Kerry, which is just here beside us on the Kerry borders. Kerry, he's come out in a few pints before. He's about the only priest with what would seem like guts to come out and say something, because I have questioned a few priests in the past why they don't say this and say that and the other thing, and they're just afraid of their life if they stuck their head above the parapet, parapet somebody would say he abused me or he did something so they're literally mm -hmm. afraid of their life to say anything because of, of, of could be accused and falsely as at that. A Kerry priest has questioned whether Catholics should continue to pay their TV license fee after disturbing inaccurate and disrespectful storyline on RT's Fair City. According to Father Kevin McNamara, parish priest of the North Kerry Parish of My Vane, it is not the first time the long-running soap opera has inaccurately reflected confession. It really downgraded the sacrament at a very sensitive time, Father McNamara said of the episode. He said the confession depicted breached all kinds of protocols. It was meant to seem it would take place in front of an altar. There was drink involved and the priest on the stole to name some of the issues. To add to the hurt, this took place on Divine Mercy Sunday, a feast which fo focuses on confession, said Father McNamara. In previous years, the same soap had a false and disturbing storyline about a priest breaking the seal of confession, he said. This showed that the script writers had very little research done on what confession really is. Have they learned anything? The weekend's parish newsletter in my van will carry a piece unfair, not fair, not fair on confession. Uh, said the priest, in which he will ask Catholics to reflect on the TV license. Why should Catholics continue to pay their television license to a station who continually and deliberately shows a lack of knowledge and respect for the Catholic faith and for the sacrament, the sacred sacrament, as Father McNamara last night after he said it had made contact with Father McNamara to say it is sorry. He was disappointed in the story and there is no intention to cause offence. It has also the confession stopped short of going ahead. 
Now, it's not the first time, second time or third time that the Catholic Church has been attacked on television, Tom. Well, it's not, and you, I must give credit, great credit to Father there for bringing it up in a very, very uh, strong, strong manner. I wouldn't look at Fair City if I got paid, to be honest, I never saw an episode of it. I'm not familiar with it myself. Either. No, to be honest about it, and, uh, you know, and, um, but it, it must have a, uh, some kind of a following anyway, maybe, just probably what reflects Irish life at the moment. But um, the situation is that uh, it's an absolute, I, I, I don't think that they'd that put on anything that they know about the Jews or about the Muslims. I, I'd say they'd be very, they'd be a little more, I, I'd say, careful in their production and what they'd be doing, you know. And again, it shows you the actual over, the oversight of, these prog- of this program, which we actually spoke last week about, Pat, the week before, about RT and, it's, and, it, and it's, it's what it is in Irish life and what it, it contributes to Irish life. And, you know, the dissociation of this losing millions and probably hundreds of millions. But, I mean, it shows you at, at least the oversight there and the management and the structures and the mentality in the people that, that, that are running these programs. I never saw an episode of it and it's love and, and I don't in actual fact I don't watch RT at all. I, I wouldn't waste my time and my bread watching it because I think too much uh, too much value on my precious time to be listening to RT. No, I suppose no, to be honest about it, I don't watch it either, either but I do know that I think it's a program that has a fear, particularly with the women. They're, 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 it's a huge attraction for an awful, lot, an awful lot of people. And, of course, at the end of the day, all RT are worried about it. It's not about Father McNamara or anybody else. They're, they're worried about ratings. That's what, that's what it's all about and the amount of people that, amount of people that watch it. And uh, I think a lot of the script writers are not, they're not too concerned about what they put into a lot of things. But as you rightly said, Tom, if that was done, if that was said about any other religious organisation, in any other part of the world we'd be the first ones to be condemning this country that ever now, been we had the Christmas time of course as well I'm a very hello Pat I'm a very regular listener to your Wednesday night country view show last but last Wednesday night I was extremely disappointed with your weekly panellist Tom Ryan comments about private schools Tom must not be aware that these schools do a lot for our students who go through the, this educational system and then they bring this into our economy as very experienced people in the world of work. From Chris in Charleville, Amberford, past pupil. Now, Tom, justify your comments from last week about private schools. I think we were talking about uh, where the teachers got the uh, vaccine. Uh, seemed to be where that comments came yeah, from. Yeah, it's that, it, it, the, the, the question came in, Pat, I think, about the beacon and uh, how they were able to uh, uh, allow the, the private school in Bray to be the teachers, some of the teachers there to be uh, vaccinated, you know, which spare vaccines that they had. And uh, it, it came in then under the, under the debate about private schools and I'm not against private schools but I certainly am against it to be supported and paid for by the state and the teachers who are who are you know these schools are an exclusive club for the very very wealthy and for the rich and business people and in all sorts of uh, life here or particularly our legal and our high power business people and banking and all that they, they in actual fact 
Those are the people that attend these schools and, and let them be exclusive and let them be as private as they want to be. But I, I think it's an absolute disgrace to the state has to be the teachers there. And uh, that, 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 uh, if they want to be exclusive, well, then let them be exclusive and let them pay. And unfortunately, you see, what, 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 what I do seriously object to and always did is that there are only these schools under the guise of religion and the Catholic. And when I hear a privileged private Catholic education, I, I, I'm nearly ready to get sick because, I mean, where's the eat? And I had this debate recently, actually, Catholic ethos they were talking about. And uh, I always thought the teachings of Christ were for ordinary people, for poor people, for people who were downtrodden and people that were, that were wanted, like we spoke about holiday tonight, like the unmarried mothers and the people that were, that were being abused. In, in, and, uh, but we still have these exclusive clubs. And I, I, did you mention Amp- Ambleford there, Pat? I, I, I yeah. Oh yeah. Well, some of our, I think, some of our hierarchy here, as regards politicians, have been Amberford educated for the mind. Our system here wouldn't be good enough from. They were sent to Amberford mm-hmm. to be educated. And all the, you see, all these specialised people that we have in the country, these uh, judges and solicitors and all that situation, who are, have a huge influence in in, in our running. And also, like you see. I also think that under the guise of religion, it's an absolute disgrace that, that, the, that the Word of God and the Word of Christ has to be specialised by wealth. I mean, wasn't there a quotation, I think, or some statement maybe, I'm not a terrible, terrible like, uh, uh, religious person, but did I think one to hear one time that it would be easier for an elephant to get to a driving needle or something than a rich man to get into heaven? Mm, exactly. oh, am I quoting... Am I, am I, am I going to quit on the head now or not? Am I? Right, yeah, but that, I, I think I remember yeah, that, that from... Quote, that yeah, the quote. quote yeah. Somewhere. Someone quoted it anyway. And uh, someone... Yeah, some, yeah. So I think that um, that under the guise of religion, mm. I mean, to have a specialised, privileged education sponsored by religious orders. We have them all over the country here now. We have them outside here in, here in Maru, you know. Yes. And they, they, I think there's, there's sessions on there. And uh, whatever they are, they are the same. They're all, they all cater for the extra wealthy people and, you know, under the guise of religion and God and the teachings of God and teachings of Christ. So, I mean, I would certainly hope that, uh, that you know, that let them have all the, all, all the privilege they want. They have the wealth, they can, they can well afford it, but don't do it under the disguise of the teachings of Christ and, and don't have the state ordinary taxpayers like myself and yourselves that have worked hard all our life and have paid our taxes pay for their teachers and, sure. and a lot of other things with them you know so, like you can go I suppose on, on what we've spoken about since we started the programme you can kind of link the whole lot right from the very start it's all a kind of a close shop a close shop and it's it, it, it's a, a boys club as well Mike exactly. you know these, this is the tide the amble for tide for mind imagine the cheek from like you know Irene Ratkeel yeah. says Tom it's a camel going through the eye of a needle a camel I thought was an elephant well, well I wouldn't fell out thank you very much Pat and thank you Mary very much for that for telephone as well and excuse my ignorance in the matter we need, we need the editorial staff all right behind us you yes. know <laughs> camel so I hope that clarified from Chris in Charleville and Ida phoned and thank you Ida for that message and 
Hello, Pat. Can the panel please discuss the rural regeneration plan announced by Fianna Fáil Minister Michael McGrath and Fine Gael Minister Heather Humphreys? Mike and Ken Malik. Mike, hope you're keeping well also, as we do hope that Chris is keeping fine in Charleville also. And that was out there a couple of weeks ago there for months and years trying to close down literally rural island, the schools, the post offices, the guard stations and anything else that served the purpose out there and now they're trying to put them all back in place again I think or something like, something like that time is it? Yeah, I don't want anybody building one off houses and all that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, if you have, if you have a bit, of, if you have a bit of land, we'll say if if a farmer has a bit, has land, he wants to let it to his son. They're trying to, they don't want him. They, they can only one person or one or one family build on the land. The rest of them have to move into the city, or into the town where there's no. Well, they have to move into a big town because places like. On the fall brought for different. Yeah, the solar system is up to. Uh, solar systems are carry carry is inadequate. Yeah. For, for going to those small villages, so then they've got to move into bigger towns. And now with the COVID pandemic, yeah. people are trying to move out. Move out, yeah. this People gathering in large numbers. I even see. So. I even seen in the was in the observer that today that they're hoping to bring broadband into the likes of Eskeaton and Shannagolden and all these places. So one crowd of them are trying to drive them. Into town and the other crowd trying to drive back out again. No, yeah. Pat, you know, I, I actually had that, that interview with Michael McGrath and Heather Humphreys. Now, I, it's not easy. I mean, I, I'm kind of leveling off my thinking. But I, 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 something came over me. I got, I got violent to myself. Mm. You know, I said, am I mad? You know, to be listening to, to be listening to the rubbish they were on about. They were giving out millions for rural, rural and urban, urban, what I mean, for, for renewal. Mm. And, and, and there was money there to be handed out to everybody mm -hmm. that had, that had any kind of a case at all. And as Pastor rightly said, and we've discussed this, but most in the program, it's the most discussed item in the program have started about the about the, the what's happening in rural Ireland okay. and happening in towns and villages and small towns and fairly large towns as well how they have been left to go to absolute rot and ruin by local councils number mm. one starting with, with them and now the government is going to wave a magic wand with hundreds of millions to spend on anyone that can come up with ideas and I can imagine that I can imagine you know that they're going to give all these agencies who do great work now you, you, you know development agencies within the these are other agencies you know, who have been starved and who have been actually oh, nearly closed down mm -hmm. for the past 10 years you know like by, by shortage of funds and shortage of support and every kind of an incumbent put in their way now all of a sudden Heather Humphreys come on come up to me with you and I can imagine the first I can imagine writing a report writing a, a submission that, that this should be done and to get a reply back with about a hundred reasons why you weren't entitled to it, you know. I mean, the, the nonsense of this and the political the political scare, I mean, skullduggery, there's nothing else. Yeah. Only lies and proposals there that they're going to do this and they do nothing because they've stood by successive governments now, not this one, because this is too late. I mean, for the last four or five governments mm -hmm. and the people themselves as well have let Ireland and rural Ireland fall into decline and we've gone in now. We've gone to support the big boys all the time. Yeah. The multinationals. Is this, and I think, and listen to him there over the years. I, uh, I'm totally convinced that a lot of the politicians 
at the, we'll say the ministers at the top, they're only they're only going by what's put in front of them on the table, and they have virtually you know I read something there. I know going back twelve months ago, it was something to do with, with I think it was the change in the minister for health, and they just made uh, someone just made the point that when a new minister takes over. You, you could go in with the best of ideas like you did when you were Limerick Senior Holding Manager and you had Thank your you own Mike, ideas. very much. You had your own ideas. And I'd answer 20 questions which was yeah. independent and, 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 take, and she'll, t- she'll take you back <laughs> in, the, in this later on about what I'm going to say. That we, it's the very same with the Minister. When he takes over a portfolio there and says the first thing he's told this is the way we do things here. And that's the way you will be doing them. Yes. And that's, yeah. that's, that's a lot of it. Well, I think, Mike, you've hit the nail on the head there completely, you know. And we've had an example of, um, of it I mean, this week, you know, that um, when you had, I mean, the Minister for Health having to get his secretaries or get his, you know, his advisors to go and check with the department as to why they would mention his name. You know, I mean, okay. That's, I know he has been kind of ridiculed all for it, but as you rightly have, you've hit, hit something here. You know, very, very. I mean, it is very recent in actual fact. What what you're saying? These people at the at the cabinet table appear to have no say. No. Number one, and unfortunately, you see, they're dealing with with head. You see, where what now? The the, the secretary, general secretary of the Department of Health. I think he's three hundred thousand. Two hundred ninety-two. There'd be a few pound extras for expenses as well. If you and if your phone calls and things and your dinners, yes. uh, well, in, that, 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 that eighty thousand of an increase. That you could round out. Exactly. I mean, if, if, that, if that isn't a scandal, if that isn't, if that isn't an absolute scandal, now, how many departments are there? Like, and I say that if he's getting it, should they all, all the should there be a equal weight, wouldn't they? At, at, in each department, I suppose, in the government and in the in the civil service. The, Justice Department would be of equal weight to the Health Department, and then you have the Department of Labour and all. So they'd be all the one. Yeah, they'd be all the. So they're, they're, they're near enough, I suppose, the whole lot of them getting there. But he has come under. He has come under under the spotlight over it, like, and he's a good record as well. That gentleman as well. Yeah, but to see, they have the what? power, and they'd have an awful lot now. They'd give you. They'd have a lot of simply enough for people in Newcastle West, and for people in Eskeaton, and for people in Bartlett well, and Crome and places like that. They'd be very worried about the. Yeah, the key, no, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. These are the amber for crowd now they were talking about. Like what I can't Take care that, that this gentleman won him. What I can't, the other thing I can't understand, and you rightly said that a while ago about Heather Humphreys and Michael McGrath, send us money for this, that and the other. The country is absolutely broke to the ropes. And yet there's money coming out. We're, we heard today, this, this, is, is, it three, is it 35 billion this, the, the COVID thing is going to cost us? I think it's known as quantitative easing. They just pushed the yeah. print button and off she goes. Hi all, mandatory hotel quarantine capacity. This is from Christy Kelly. Mandatory hotel quarantine capacity issue has been labelled a shambles. This is unfair to single out one thing as a shambles when there are so many new ones coming up every day. There were never before so much hotel accommodation available and they can't get it right. But at least our politicians are able to organise their expenses. It was reported this week that our TDs and senators claimed 674,000 in little known expenses. This information had to be made public through a freedom of information request, which is outrageous. Our Limerick Fianafal minister is claimed to have received over 40 thousand out of this pot on top of everything else. If these individuals have to use so many advisors, secretaries or etc to their job, they should not be in there in the first place regards Christy Kelly. And that's them. I think you've all seen that for now. It's it's a it's a time that we've got to go to an ad break and we'll be back to you shortly. 
County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. You are listening to the podcast of County Views as broadcast on Western Wick 102 FM on the 14th of April 2021 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Mike Barrett, as this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. Welcome back, folks. It's 0696600 if you want to call in, or 0871669800 if you want to send us in any message whatsoever. We're live until the next 25 minutes, until 11 o'clock, or indeed it will be repeated tomorrow. But of course, don't call in on Thursday because it's repeat you're listening to. Uh, what does Tom Ryan think of your panel? What does your panelist, Tom Ryan, think of the GA team's training in Dublin and Monaghan during current COVID? restrictions. Personally, I don't think it did any harm from Pedro McMahon in Adair. And Pedro, I'm sure there was more than Dublin and Monaghan <laughs> at it. Tom? Well, I, I, I was shocked really, you know, for to hear that Dublin were pre- and one hand, no, there is other suggestions, but I don't know. We, are, I, I have no proof for other, other counties were, at, were, were in training. But I, I think myself as an absolute disgrace. That's my personal opinion about it. And the G handled it very wrong. And his suspensions after handing are really cosmetic and they're, they're, they're irrelevant. Uh, irrelevant. And I think myself that uh, they couldn't even handle it. And the, G, the, the GPA also, like, ha, have been very silent about the whole thing. I mean, and can you imagine Dublin as if they needed to go training? One hand the same. I mean, you know, the, the, the mentality behind that now to me is two fingers to, to the counties that didn't train and they but didn't, the and they obeyed the actual, the, the, you know, the, the, the protocols. That were would you not there. have thought the players should be suspended from the date that the championship commences? Well, Pat. The whole sentences that they got and, and were only a joke. No, my parish is, is a man engrossed in the GL life. He, he might have a different opinion than me. But, I mean, like, the GA can't, they can't actually do anything right, you know. And it's the thought of Dublin, like, and their, their, their power and their might, you know, and their leadership, which is, you would expect decency and respect from them and from the management team. The players and the management team should have been suspended by the GA for 12 months. Look, out of all competition. And if necessary, even the Dublin team should be suspended and make a stand and make a decision and say, look, we're running the association. I mean, Larry McCarthy was on uh, another another kind of a, a, a he gave away a cat that, you know, oh, it shouldn't be done and we're disappointed. There's no one been disappointed. These people broke the protocols that were, that were being honoured by a lot of the counties. I don't know how, how many other counties have no proof of it. I don't think there's a whole lot of proof. There's a lot 
lot of hearsay, all right. But hearsay won't get you too far in when it comes down to when it comes down to these really the things. But Monaghan and Benty, uh, uh, Dublin and their manager, I mean, who are holding the whole show, running the GA at the moment, like, were definitely, uh, I, in my book, a, a, a disgrace. I, the, way, the way I looked at it is, and uh, I looked at it more from a sporting point of view, and what I can't understand is, and I think I'll be kind of having the GA and wondering what I'm going to say, that at the beginning of the year, you have soccer players that are travelling the world. You have rugby players that can go out and play every weekend after another. And yet, at the beginning of the year, they, they, they took the elite status after the GA players. And I think that could be a lot of it. I listened to Colm O'Rourke on RT Radio on last Friday evening. No, he, he definitely came out very hard on Monaghan and Dublin as he said he made a very good point he said Dublin didn't bother to start training until the first week of August and that probably still win the All-Ireland anyway but he did make the point that that uh, it's probably different with Monaghan for the simple reason that the one the, the, the other teams in the north are back training I think to this weekend but he said like that he didn't he said really there was no need there wasn't really any need for he said that there was no advantage to either one of them to get a week ahead of anybody else which he was right but the one point that he did make and he's a man I have, he's, a, he's one of my great time for him because he talks he's, he speaks his mind and what he said was he said I'm going into school he said the next morning in the morning with uh, 11 or 12 months, he's a principal of St. Patrick's College in Evan I'm going into school next morning in the morning he said with 1100 people pupils he said, I cannot take 20 of them out in a seven-acre field to train. No, there's a lot of logic in what he said in, in, in that, because, like, uh, you, can, you can go playing soccer, you can go playing rugby, and they can tear their heads off each other. I know they're testing everything before they go out, but there is something seriously wrong in it. I know, as you rightly said, Tom, the suspension to, to Desi Farrell and uh, Benty is only a talking thing. The very same as was to, to, to the court manager and the manager on down. Because I think uh, that McCarthy man in car, he got to swing, he wasn't even there. It's just for the players went down kicking football around the, the standing yard and someone. But Colomorov made a very interesting observation the other evening. And to something that will affect every one of us in time. He said, Are we going, now going to become. The, the state to the player one time called the squinting windows. He said, Is it, when, when we'll get out of this, are, are people going to be going around with phones? The point he was making was, how did someone spot the players above in Cardiff and the one in Dublin? They were only taken from a camera off the side of the road and the story was run to the paper. No, I'm sure there's players kicking football and hurling inside in fields all over the country, but it isn't being made public. Yeah, well, Mike, Mike I, I would agree with you there uh, on one aspect of this, and it is something that puzzled me from early on, and it shows you again the weakness of the GA, like, exactly. and, and the weakness of the GA as, as, as an association, we're told that we're one of the leading amateur organisations, like, uh, in the world, and that uh, we have a very, very uh, solid structure. We, I, I believe myself that we have no leadership, because no. what you said there was very 
important elite sports I did there, isn't, there are no more elite sports people than the inter-county players mm-hmm. that are involved in every county in the country and, and overseas in the GA like and how they were able to actually I mean take that status off them mm-hmm. I mean is it because they weren't being paid three or four hundred thousand a year like uh, as, uh, that, that, that they weren't elite mm-hmm. so I mean that, 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 that is something that puzzles me and I, and I actually don't know how uh or whoever whoever came to that conclusion and they, and, and they could segregate the GA players from rugby and from soccer and you know and let them travel willy-nilly without any restriction and play you know I mean and and the GA players like <coughs> couldn't play our games our national game holding our national game football like I mean also like I mean one of our national games like and, and well I read about it Tom I read about it there a couple of months back they questioned it how it came to be and actually Nippet denied that they had any input into it it was done basically by Jack Chambers the general minister before, on, on the, to be exact on the 22nd of December the decision was made to, and the excuse, the excuse he made was that the GA did not apply for to get an elite status if that makes any sense it made no sense to me because if you were, if you were an elite status for the, the All-Ireland football final on the 13th of December between Dublin and Mayo what changed no. in the matter of seven days? Well, Mike, you, you, you've created... Uh, I mean, you, you've... I've, I've, I understand now, like, because I couldn't... I didn't know where this came from. And, and that's why I already said in, in tonight, like, about the, about the weak leadership that there is in the GA, like, you know. And, and that's when we followed on with these mock suspensions. But, I mean, it, it, I couldn't understand it because these players are elite, they're, and they're amateur, which is more like... And it's on national code and why and I, I didn't know that I didn't know the reason the and, and if they didn't put forward a case well then and if the GPA didn't want to be able to put forward a case well then there's something right here on the crop now folks will hold up there a high pat this lace as plain as a joke it did not contain any specific details regarding what budget is going to be made available for this so called plan the reality is there, there isn't even a proper public type that's the plan about uh, rural development or uh, rural regeneration plan announced this is the one Christy Kelly is referring to that latest plan is a joke it did not contain any specific details regarding what budget is going to be made available for this so-called plan the reality is there isn't even a proper toilet in any of our towns and now they're trying to promote outdoor dining where are people expected to go to spend a penny will it cost no more now will it cost more regards Christy Kelly Mm-hmm. Again, they had a plan for years fining people for putting a table or a chair outside the door. And in cities, they were, you had to get a special license. And anyone who didn't have that, then you were made taken back in. And now they're trying to encourage them to put them back out again. Uh, hello, Pat. Can the panel give their views on Mick Wallace and Claire Daly's visit to Baghdad from Mike in Kilmallock? Tom, you referred to that a moment ago. Oh, I did, yeah. I, I, I couldn't believe my eyes like when I saw it. There in one of the Atlas there at the weekend that they're open by dead. You know, the people of, of the island south is it? I, I, I mean, elected them. Yeah. Can you imagine? Well, he's Island South, I assume she's Dublin. 
yeah. government. Yeah, 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 probably. Well, it's it's a nice reflection and a nice thank you to the people elected them anyway. You know, with their own probably half a million a year, like him, job over. They were they were meeting. They were meeting uh, some organisations there, who were I don't know what they were doing, but I mean, they weren't actually in Baghdad. I think they were outside of Baghdad, open open some part of Iraq, meeting these Al Shabaab or something, some crowd like that. You know that you wouldn't be like to meet in a dark road or, or, or an Arab or in anywhere. You know that you prefer to be someplace else. So like, the, the, I mean, it shows you again the two fingers that we are well used in this country. It, it's like, I mean, what you call him, O'Callaghan above the doll, and he'd been paid a, a salary and expenses, as has been mentioned there by Christy Kelly already, and he and he, he op- opened um, High Court, I think he was at the same time, he was, defi- was, was he defending... Uh, Gerald Keane, I think, another high-power solicitor. You know, I mean, to the people, really, you know, these people that we elect, I ran for the doll, to be honest about it, and I, I, took, I had an ambition of mine, I was to run for the doll, and I didn't get elected, and I got very poor bad support, and that's, that's politics, and you, you grin and bear it, I got no support, I got no financial support, my expenses weren't even covered, and, and um, so, like, I mean, I know that, uh, that if I had, I, and when I did run for the doll, ran for under the flag of of uh, a man that I had huge respect for and uh, just out in Limerick uh, a marvellous man one of the, one the greatest Limerick men I suppose that ever not his brother himself mm. that ever I mean dressed himself just out and uh, we ran in the disability area Chair, of course sorry was a brother of Sean South and yes. I actually know Chair South myself yeah. and the Chair's Council and Tom said he was one of the disability organisations and so forth and we ran under that under that banner mm. now we were listening every day to the people and uh, in, in the area of the, of the disabilities and and what they're what they're lacking and the, the, the actual the funding and the support and uh, and uh, what, what they're not getting and but I ran under that banner we ran 18 candidates in the whole country and uh, you know I was one elected and uh, in Dublin and uh, you know that was for just out I mean and, and he's out organization. So like I would I, I would like I mean people died for this country. They died for the flight, they died for the for the US uh, give us the vote and give us our independence. And if our representatives can't can't in actual fact do the job that they've been that have been paid for. I mean it's a good it's a good indication of the people that are voting from and it's actually it answers the whole question about what we deserve and what we get in up in Dalian. And Mike, you said it something tonight, and I think it should be in a cutting stone. Our ministers and our and our junior ministers and senior ministers appear to have no say. No. And our TDs are irrelevant. They're really just voting for that, Absolutely. and they're looking and they're only looking at the next election. And all and, and the whole system is full of pettiness and ego. And it's not about the country. You, it's you not about what they're. You, you look at the people that elected that elected that Mick Wallace out to Europe. And when the man gave the two fingers to the state when he got broke and he, he, he didn't want to pay Bob to nothing and the people over I know probably was probably good reasons to put him out there out of the way, but like and the mentality of the people that yeah. elected him. Yeah. Do you know, it just goes to show like the, the whole the whole mentality. In, Mike, in fairness to Mick Wallace and Claire Daly, they were the only two people that kept questioning the various irregularities irregularities on NAMA and all of those 
things which later transpired to be very irregular. Oh, I know, but I know that it, but they were the only two to stick their nose up. He was saved by NAMA. He was, but it was when the NAMA set off yeah. situation, the, the, yeah. the second part of that, and even though many people might criticise him, but I would think both of those people, they kept asking the awkward yeah, questions, question, yeah. where all the other people were just watching the votes and watching, like Mick Wallace wouldn't, he got a pile of votes around this area, around here. He, he, I don't think he, he, somebody said he was in town one day, but he must have been like the swallow in and out the same day. Yeah. The amount of votes they got, because they were raising the questions. Yeah. Well, you see, in Baghdad is yeah. me, Tom. Well, that, that's the point I'm making. Like, you can raise questions, all right, and no doubt about it, there were issues that, that were raised. But then again, Sinn Féin raised questions, and that they also, and you have the Progressive Democrats, they raise questions, and they have good, but you see, they're hitting a stone wall, like, they're hitting a stone wall that they're not able to break through. You see, the actual system is, doesn't allow for even elected representatives no. to, to be exposed to situations. We have to go to maybe uh, an RT investigate situation, mm-hmm. maybe effort, uh, yeah. you know, and the, the actual personal uh, strength of, of a TD outside of, outside of the cabinet mm-hmm. appears to be just not there at all. They, ha- they appear to have no say or not able to affect any kind of policy, only talk. Exactly. And talk is cheap, money buys beer, and the people that are decision makers in this country, a lot of them are anonymous. And uh, we don't they know they're, they're being told, this is the way we do things here. Yeah. In, in every but I think we have an unbalanced system, I would think, uh, Richard Byrne Barrett and a few of those Dublin-based guys, they seem to get an awful lot of air time compared to some of... Oh, they do, you're right. I don't know who now, for example, yeah. will say a local one that we know about as an independent yeah. compared to those guys. They yeah. seem to be in there a lot, you know. They do, yeah. Well, that would be, that would be our tea policy. Yes, uh, exactly. Right? And these radicals, like we say, which they are, you know, I mean, they, and, you know, I mean, you, you, you have to... We live in a, in a, in a so-called republic. Yes, they know that they're, they're yeah. the people that will generate... generate. Yes. But you would imagine there should be a, a, an even balance amount of time for all the independents and the smaller parties that no. should be all calculated. Well, I, I presume that there is uh, in speaking time and at all. I find it very well, I hard. I can't the television. Oh, yeah, well, Pat, in the, I, yeah, I, exactly. I know what you're saying, and I know exactly, and, and I agree with you, you know, hun, that, that we're taking a look at these tired old faces every night, like, mm-hmm. I mean, on the Clare Daily and all, all, all them, the, the, on the Clare Burton Show and all them, it's the same crowd as there every night, and they're just spewing out the same stuff, and it's a, a, they don't have to make any decisions. So, I mean, you do need an opposition. There's no doubt about that. But the, the point about it is, if the people that are in government, I mean, do their job, and if they're if they're competent to be able to do their job, well, then I mean, there is they can they can actually eradicate a lot of the queries and a lot of the questions that have been asked. But they don't appear appear to have even the power or the capability of doing that. No. You know, no. I, I had a good uh, example one night of of. Uh, it, it was a, a, a chief executive of 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 the board of the board uh, 
the, the ground board was appointed, a new man appointed. And no, not this is before him. And uh, so we were in, in Shelburne Park, and uh, one great character uh, was Matt O'Donnell from Killinall, mm-hmm. the home of Rachel Blackmore. And uh, Matt was a great man to talk his. To, 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 to. He was a brilliant head and a brilliant greyhound sport enthusiast and a trainer and a very straight man and a very, very knowledgeable person. So someone said, oh, we have a new executive now. And Matt says, look, you're, we're in waste no time. He has clue. Oh, God, he said, why are you after saying that? I mean, this is an old man. This is a businessman. It's after. Well, I'll tell you, says he, quite, quite openly why I'm saying that. I was here in the Shelburne Park, he said, last Friday night, and he was going up and down the stand asking everybody else what should be done. And if we have, a, if we want to get this sport and this industry, as they call it now, on its legs and get it going again and get it right, a man shouldn't be asking him what to do. He should know himself if he's going in as chief executive. And that is the kernel of what you said tonight, Mike, in a nutshell. Mm. We'll have to, now, have to make Tom, decisions. We'll hold you there, and we have about five minutes about left, I think, Jason. Is that right? Around five minutes? Mm-hmm. And we have a text here I'd like to have it discussed. And it is, hello, Pat and panel. I send my second text from the high, beautiful, moonlight hills of Knockrow and Cahokandish. Can the panel please discuss newly elected Limerick IFA Chairman Sean Lavery has raised serious concerns regarding the proposed and unfolding deed between Kerry, newly elected Limerick, Kerry Co-op and Kerry Group. It is not acceptable that the co-op board should take decisions of this magnitude without shareholder supplier approval and buy-in. The Shannon Goldman said Kerry Co-op has proposed to acquire 60% of the shares in a new giant venture with Kerry Group PLC to purchase the assets of Kerry's existing milk processing, food production factories, the milling and the agribusiness stores. Mr. Lavery said funding of 700 million must be raised in the short term by means of a combination of loans converting some of the co-op's PLC share to cash and asking current suppliers to agree to a per liter deduction for several years. Now I read that in detail on the the farming pages there and the examiner and, and the independent I think there in the past couple of days that's from Mark Tierney in Knockrow. A serious looking situation and uh, it would seem that they're not giving the shareholders, suppliers any vote on the matter. Tom, are you familiar with any of that? Pat, can I appeal the Fifth Amendment here? Because I wouldn't have a whole lot of interest in what they'd be doing in Kerry Tate because I thought I never owned a share of any, oh, Mark, that's your of any sort of Tom. description. But I know one thing sure that for the last 10, 20 years and even up to last year, the Kerry shares and the Kerry people, they're willing to manage their own affairs back there. And I'm sure that, 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 that they'll work it out because last year we were being told that the Kerry suppliers were getting millions that their shares, that, that, their, that their shares in the old co-op or whatever way they have they have the PLCs and the co-op mixed up are, are, I, I'm afraid that is above my pay grade but I want simply for Kerry you know, it, 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 it would be the same with me Tom because I actually heard there a couple of weeks ago where 
there's, there's a bit of length for sale not too far away from me and I heard this, there was a fellow interested in it that he was after his father was dead for many years was after, they were after unearthing a pile of shares in, in Kerry and he might be it was handy, it was handy money that came across the border No, they are Mike and I, I, I have to agree with there and, and for right I'm saying that you don't want to discuss to carry shares we, yeah, don't, know. we don't know <laughs> are they planning to make 700 arrests on money mules there was a couple of pages on that there in the papers in the past couple of days uh, a lot of young people and students and all kinds of ones are being targeted to we have money to lodge and we need an account in Ireland can we put it in and we give you so much out of it uh, a dangerous area again for young what? people well this is this is an area that has been highlighted now for the past two or three years Pat yeah. you know and uh, again it's due, this is due to uh, what I would call uh, mismanagement by the banks the banks are the people that are opening these accounts mm-hmm. they know they know well that this that this money is not is not straight money and they're laundering it it's a laundering situation the banks are wrong in order to, 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 to take on these students where the students may get these thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands that are in these accounts but so that's that's the fault of the of the regulator mm-hmm. it's the fault of the department of finance and the central bank and the bankers they should be called called out this and okay, the students are 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 being used, but sure there are people being used by the by the gangsters and by the drug. I mean, Barons yep. for the past 30, 40 years. And what have the banks done about it? They've, they've actually cooperated with them. Exactly. That's what yeah. they've done. Exactly. And they've laundered they've they've the money these banks have. And they've got away with it scot free. And now they're, they're crying, crying wolf now when it's too late. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, yeah, sure. There is no. I mean, again, as you said earlier on, Tom, it's the very same thing. It's the it's the the, the, the vicious circle is there. The banks don't answer to no one. If they decide to close them, they'll close the place, and that's it. You can go and do whatever you want. Well, the amount of scams, of course, seem to be it, it's unreal. All time high yeah. of all types of scams in recent times. Well, Pat, a lot of the scams, you see, and all that are, are encapsulated in the banking. It's about money. It's all. It, Criminality is about money, money exactly. and the banks are the central of that. Yeah. They are the biggest criminals of, of, of them all, yeah. and they have proved that in this country, and they've got away with it. Got away with it, yeah. And 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 just Pat, before before we do finish, as this is our, I think this is our, well, this is my first night back this year. Anyway, I think this is the first. This is only your second program back, but I just like to say it is great to be back in the air again and back to the in in the studio. Oh, this is only our second program back. Back, back. We'll say now, but back here in the studio, I'm talking oh, about. Yes, you, yes, know, yes. you were on the. Actually, we were tuned in here long, but I just like to just like to say to. I was talking to man today. He was very busy in the garden. Con Warren, he's a. You could say he's nearly, I'd call him a horticultural advisor. And uh, he, he was saying he was very busy in the gardening. It's a great time for the gardening. And of course, if I, if I forget my friend in the morning, Aerod, he'll be even out to me tomorrow, George Daly. He's probably tuned in listening to this tonight. So. George is a very shy man. He gives him plenty of advice and plenty of comments, <laughs> but he never sends a message in or, or come in. You know, there's nothing to stop that, that George Daly guy coming in here some night. You might have a chat with him <laughs> in your spare well, time. We, we do have a lot of chat together, the two of us. And his daughter. Caroline and I sent her her best wishes and yes, also yes. most compliment to Gardy indeed for doing a wonderful job there I see him in town tonight and just before I go indeed Newcastle West has come of age I meant to say this earlier in the night driving down to town there this evening about 9 o'clock and I see a person sleeping in front of the 
county council officers in Bishop Street with his blankets and duvets and all covered up. So it's a, it's a note to Newcastle West when we have people sleeping on the streets. I think there was somebody doing it up, up the domain there a couple of years ago again. Yeah, well, uh, sleeping in the street in Newcastle street, West. Yeah, 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 thing, yeah. Well, we might call in Heather Humphreys, maybe she might be able to solve that well, problem. She has all the money, if they have all the money they're giving now, away. Jason says time is up and we've got to go. Again, my thanks, Tom, for travelling out. And Mike Barrett, thanks. Welcome, Pat. And to all the listeners, and we thank you for sending the messages from near and far as well. So in the meantime, take care, keep your distance, and hopefully we'll be talking to you again on next Wednesday night. In the meantime, take care. And God bless now. Thanks to Jason, of course, as well, the ever-reliable. 102 FM. You've just been listening to the podcast of County Views as broadcast on West Limwick 102 FM on the 14th of April 2021 from 9.30 to 11pm. Mike Barrett joined Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan for the discussion. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limwick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie.